Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. As we get into the last message, I want to be just completely transparent with you and say that I had a, I had a really hard time thinking of what I should talk about tonight. We're in a series called Never Give Up, and we've been talking about ways to, be, to persevere and to never give up and, and how we're hanging in with the Lord and with people. And um, the, the reason I had a hard time with this, even though there's a curriculum that I could have used and even though there's, you know, I, there's a lot of resources that I could have used, um, the, uh, the last week of youth group is always, is always hard for me because it is the last time I get a chance to speak directly to the graduating class. Right? So if you're a senior in the room, the class of 2022, many of you have been coming. You walked in that door six years ago, six and a half years ago now, uh, for the very first time. We introduced, and I probably said something stupid, and, and yet you're still here. And the class of 2022, I know a lot of you guys are, are here tonight. And so I felt, not a pressure necessarily, but just kind of like this burden to, if I had one chance left to speak to, obviously the whole group for the year, but if this is the last sermon that anyone of the class of 2022 heard from me, what would I say? Like, what direction would I go? And, and, and that just felt like a lot of weight. And um, I thought about it a lot. I prayed about it a lot. And uh, tech team, sorry, because this sermon just keeps changing as time keeps going on. And I'm going to, I got some notes, but some of it I'm going to make up as I go because I want to speak to you from the heart. I also want to speak to you from the word of God, which is obviously more important. So this is, if this is your last time here, if you don't come next week, or seniors, if you graduate and go do life away from here, um, I thought that it would be appropriate not for me to necessarily give you my last words, but to look at the words of Jesus, because his words are a little more important than anything I have to say. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 24, and if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along up here. If you have your uh, journals, you want to take some notes, by all means, feel free. But Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to park it today. Um, uh, Tech, can we actually start at verse 24? Sorry. Like I said, this is changing as we go. It says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You stop right there. Regardless whether you're graduating or not, the end of the school year means kind of a similar thing for all of us is that the, the, the weekly rhythms of what we're used to change. And for some of us, we get to spend more time at home, which some of us love that and some of us hate that because home is not a safe place. Some of us get to spend more time with our friends and some of us spend less. Some of us stay close, some of us go far. The vibe changes over the summer, for better or for worse. 
And anytime things change, anytime life throws a curveball or as, as the routine switches up, there are pieces of it that are unknown. And I think almost across the board, whether you are a 7th grader or a 12th grader or you are 32 or 72 or anywhere in between, usually the idea of the unknown causes us to worry. There is this thing inside of us that if we can't predict the future, if we don't know exactly kind of what we're going to do, um, it, it causes us to worry or be stressed. And, and all of us, you know, it's to varying degrees. Some of us really don't, we're kind of like, yeah, tomorrow's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, whatever, it's going to be what it's going to be. Some of us really stress. And we're everywhere in between. But no one looks into an unknown future, or very few people look into an unknown future and say, eh, okay, I'm cool with that. We all have some sort of worry or stress over the future. And so, seniors, as you go out, I wanted to land in Matthew chapter 6. If I had final words to you from the words of Christ, it would be from here. The scripture talks about in verse 26 uh, how, how the, what does it say? Yeah, what, don't worry whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and body more than clothes? And it says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest Yet your father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him they are? Friends, God knit you together in your mother's womb. God knows the very amount of hairs on your head. That's something you don't even know about you. God's thoughts about you outnumber the grains of sand on our planet. That is just an infinite amount. And what the, the scripture's getting at is, listen, if God takes care of things that are way less important than you, don't you think he'll also take care of you? Right? I actually, um, I want to, I wanna, should I tell this? I shouldn't tell this story. I'm going to tell this story. Okay. I want to tell you a story. Uh, this happened to me on Monday. This was two days ago. And I don't know if you have any, heard me talk about my son, Jet, but he's a, he's a firecracker. He's out of his mind. He's insane. And um, I think I might have shared this before, but one of his, like, his things right now is he'll take, like, a bath or a shower, and then after he gets out, he just wants to, like, run around naked for a minute. He's just like, streaker? Right? He loves it. I don't know what it is. Right? He just loves to be like, streaker? And so um, he'll run around, and so he did that on Monday, and I, I, I kind of just let him go. I was like, whatever, I'll find him in a couple minutes, and I'll put a diaper on him, and we'll be good to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... All of, a sudden it's, all of a sudden, it's quiet, and I'm like, this is a problem. So I go, I, I go looking around the house, and he's not in the house, and I go looking out in the backyard, he's not in the backyard, and I thought, where did he go? Well, he was around the corner, he was still in my backyard, but he was around the corner, and he was sitting there like this, and he was pooping, and I thought, that's gross. How am I going to clean this up? So, but it wasn't that calm. I was like, ah, Jet, what are you doing? And it startled him. And so he like popped up and stepped in it as he tried to get away and then started walking around it. So there's like little poop footprints all over the back of the concrete and my patio. And um, so, and then it starts to like, it starts to spread. And I'm like, oh no, I got to contain this. So quick, I grabbed him. And I was like, I got to rinse this kid off. And so instead of just bringing him to the hose outside, I brought him all the way inside back to his room and got some wipes and started like, you know, wiping them down and cleaning them off. And then I was like, okay, now I got to go take care of what is out there. So he was good to go. I went back outside 
I come back outside, and the dog is eating all the poop. <laughs> it was just like chomping on it, going to town. I kid you not. And I'm like, no! Right? So I immediately, I'm like, Bentley, no! But he doesn't care because he's so into it. So I go run and grab the hose so I can try to spray him and get him away from it. And then meanwhile, while I'm doing that, the dog finally lets go of it. But while I'm running over grabbing the hose, Jet has now picked up one of his cars and is driving his car back and forth through his poop footprints that were all over the back porch. And I, for a split second, I thought, this is my life. Like, like, I was like, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? Eventually, it all got cleaned up. And, and, and then like a poor kid, I, must have, I scarred him so much because like for the next two days, he, he's still, today, this morning, he like walked outside and he, go, he goes, ew, yucky poop. And I was like, it wasn't even there anymore. I rinsed it all, but he kind of, he remembers it from the other day. And um, so that happened. Why am I telling you this? Uh, because it's funny, honestly. That's kind of the main reason. The other reason I'm telling you this is because uh, the other thing about Jet that, that has been interesting to me, even though he's ridiculous and, and poops outside, weirdo, he, he, he's wild, but he also, um, he's very persistent in advocating for himself. He's two. But he knows how to advocate for himself. So as soon as his diaper has got something in it, he's like, Dad, and he wants, he wants help with it. As soon as he gets hungry, he's like, Dad, Mom, and he wants to eat. If, if he's thirsty, he wants water. If, he's, if he feels sick, he's very good at like advocating for himself and telling us what he needs. He wants to make sure that I know what's going on with him. But here's the thing, guys. I already know, Right? Like, I look at him, and I can see a saggy diaper, and I'm like, bro, like, you need a diaper. Before he even asks for it, I know that he needs to be changed. I can look at the clock. This kid is so predictable. I can look at the clock at 528 and tell you that in two minutes, he's going to ask me to eat because he's hungry. And I can, so, so at, like, 515 every night, I'll just start cooking dinner because I know at, in 15 minutes, the homeboy is going to ask me at 530 if, if he can eat because he's hungry. It goes on. I know, like, after he eats a little bit of snack out of his snack cup, like, he's going to ask for water. And I, I got the water ready to go. And what's interesting to me is that even though I continually can anticipate his needs and know what he needs and know what he's going to ask for, he still feels this deep-seated thing in, in him to ask and advocate for himself as if I don't know. This kid has no idea how well I know him. And this kid has no idea how much I love him, and he has no idea how valuable he is to me. And though he feels like he has to advocate for himself, the truth is that regardless of what his needs are, I am going to take care of him to the best of my ability. And friends, if I can do that with my kid as, as a human being, imagine what God can do with us. This first part of the text says, don't worry. Why? Because you are valuable to God. Simple as that. You take care of things that are valuable to you. You take care of things that are valuable to you. Verse 27, a simple truth goes on to say, if you guys could put that up, verse 27, it says, listen, can any one of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life. And um, 
And I think this is important to call out. I think it's important to talk about this. Not only are we valuable to God, but Jesus goes on to say, like, hey, don't worry because it's, it's not going to add any time onto your life. How many of you guys do what I do or, or do what I used to do a lot more frequently but still do sometimes? There's a hard conversation coming or there's a big test coming or there's a, something that's got to happen or whatever it is. There's, there's just some looming thing. And how many of you tend to think through every scenario that could happen? You're like, I'm going to say this, and then he's going to say that, and I'm going to say this, and she's going to say that. And if she says this, I'm going to say this, right? you got this whole thing planned out in your head of what you're going to say in the conversation. Or you have a big test coming up, and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to make sure that if this question's on the test, I'm going to study this part. If this question's on the test, I'm going to study this part, right? And we, we try to make sure we're prepared and aware and ready for every situation. And we don't necessarily call it worry. We call it being prepared for whatever it is. But here's the thing. Nine times out of ten, does it go the way you thought it was going to go? No. Like, it doesn't. It usually doesn't. The conversation is never how you planned it. The, convert, the, the test is never exactly what you thought it was going to be, except for if the teacher gave you the test ahead of time. It's never what you thought. It never winds up panning out exactly the way you had planned it out in your head. So what we did, what we do, is instead of just letting things happen, we just make ourselves miserable for those two or three days leading up to whatever it is. We're stressed. We're anxious. We're like, oh, how's this going to go? I don't know. We're going to figure this out, right? Here's what I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Worry does not change yesterday, and it does not change tomorrow. It just makes you miserable today. Worry will not change yesterday. It will not change tomorrow. It will just make you miserable today. Friends, did you know that the entirety of human history is already written, right? Like you live in the year 2022 and there's going to be years after this, Lord willing. And time is something that you and I are bound to. We kind of live minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week. We have a predictable calendar. We are bound into time. But friends, God isn't. God can move in and through time. So as we're progressing through time, minute by minute, God is already in the past and he's already in the future. And he's already got all the things figured out. God has already finished the writing of history. It just hasn't happened yet. It's like you're reading a book and you're on, it's a 200 page book and you're on page 100 and the book isn't going to change regardless of what page you're on, right? The book is going to say what the book says regardless of what page you're reading through. You don't necessarily know how the book is going to end because you haven't gotten there yet, but the author does because the author already wrote the book. Same idea. Friends, we're living at some page of history inside of this book, and at the end of the day, listen, we don't know what page you're on. We don't know when the last page is going to be, but we know that the story's already written. We know exactly how it goes. Even though we don't know the details, we know that God wrote human history, and our God is good. Our God is kind. We know our God is faithful. And though we experience history as it happens, God has already finished writing history, and he's told us the ending. The cool part is, even though we don't know what page we're on, we've already got a sneak peek at the ending, and the Bible promises, our Lord promises, that regardless of how this life goes, regardless of how many years you have on this earth, at the end of the day, the ending is the same. Jesus wins. He comes back. He conquers Satan, sin, and death. He rights every wrong. He wipes every tear. Everything you're anxious about is gone. The former things have passed away. The earth, what was old, becomes new. You get these glorified bodies to live forever with Jesus in heaven. And that's how it goes. And it's a beautiful thing. 
Sometimes I think we get so distracted by the little 80-year slice of time that we have here on this earth that we forget that forever is a really long time after. And we live our life for the 80 years that we're given, maybe more, maybe less. And when, if the 80 years on this planet is all you can see, then of course college decisions seem like the biggest deal ever. Of course, that relationship seems like the biggest deal ever. Of course, family problems seem like the biggest thing ever. Of course, cancer feels like the biggest thing ever. Of course, those things feel big because if 80 years is all we got, then anything that happens within that span of time is a big deal. But God says, no, 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 no. Listen, you're a part of a bigger story. This 80 years is actually like this big and then forever goes on forever. You ever try to think about forever, how long forever is? Forever. It doesn't end. It goes on and on and on and on. So if 80 years is this much, if it's an inch wide, forever not only looks like from here to the wall, it looks like from here to Bakersfield, from here to Nevada, from here to the East Coast, all the way around the world again and again and again. It just keeps going. And this is your life. Friends, in 50 billion years from now, when you are enjoying Jesus and his people and living in the perfect kingdom and, and sin-free and no anger and no tears, all that has been done with, what of this earth that we worry about is actually going to matter? Sometimes I think our view is just too small. And God's like, listen, no matter how much you worry, you're not going to add any time to those years that you have. So we can spend our time worrying about these 80 years. And, and like I said before, it doesn't make yesterday better or tomorrow better. It just makes us miserable today. It doesn't make the previous 80 years better. And it's not going to make the rest of eternity better. It's just going to make you miserable for these 80 years. So we can spend our time worrying in these 80 years. Or we can trust that history is already written. Our life is going to be what it's going to be. God knows the number of hairs on our head. We are valuable to him. And he has good plans for us. And we can just release it and let it go to God and say, God, listen, I don't know what the future holds, but you do, and I'm going to trust you. And what peace and freedom there is in that. Last part of this, it goes on in verse 28. It says, and why worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was like a really wealthy king, in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and then gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, the imagery of flowers in this text has really been overlooked. We tend to think, oh yeah, if God cares for the flowers, and of course he's going to care for me, right? That's how we've approached it in the church. But here's the thing. Are you okay? You need a minute? Whew nervous about you over there. Listen, this year, I was like, you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a try to make a garden. I'm going to try to grow some things in my backyard. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> like, I saw this thing on the internet the other day. I was like, why spend $6 for a case of strawberries when you could spend $60 building a garden bed and your whole summer trying to water it just to get like two half-grown strawberries? And I was like, that's a really good point. Because I'm trying to grow stuff and it's not working. And what I'm learning is that every single plant 
has very specific conditions in which they thrive. It's not just about the soil. It's about the pH of the soil. Is it acidic or is it basic? It's about the composition of the soil. Like what's in there? What kind of um, minerals and nutrients are in that soil? What kind of drainage? Does the soil drain easy or not? What kind of light? Does this plant need morning light or evening light or filtered light or full sun or half sun or part sun or no sun? Does it need filtered sun? Does it need water? How much water does it need? How often does it need water? And it goes on and on and on and on. And you hear, you know what the thing is? Plants grow all around the world. You're like, wow, Josh, that's cool. Yeah, duh. Right, thank you, thank you. Yes. Plants grow, they cover almost the entirety of the undeveloped world. All of them. And each one is very particular about the things that it needs to thrive. And yet, God knows exactly what each individual plant in every part of the world needs to thrive. And he's put these kind of plants in this part of the world and these kind of plants in that part of the world and these kind of plants in that part of the world because that part of the world has the right conditions for that plant to thrive. Every individual plant, God knows exactly what it needs and what it needs to thrive. So the imagery when God talks about Jesus talks about flowers here. It's not just being like, oh, look at the flowers. They're so pretty. Don't you mean more than a flower? No. The point is, the author is being ma- is, that the author is making here is that, listen, flowers are really picky. Plants are really picky. They need very specific things to grow and thrive. And if God will give each plant the things that they need to grow and thrive, the 15 things that they need to grow and thrive, and knows each one of them individually, and will take care of each one of them and provide for them, how much more will God know your needs, know your individual needs, and provide exactly for you? Yet we tend to think, this is what happens, right? We all tend to think, but, but what about this? Does God know this? Because the Bible doesn't talk about this. What about this part of my life? Or what about that problem? What about that family issue? What about this place where I'm insecure? What about this relationship? What about, and we, we look at our individual life. We think, does God know about this? What about this? And God goes, yes, even that. Even that. Almost out of time. Something happened to me this week that was, last week, that was, uh, it was interesting. So, um, the short version is I'm going on something that we call a sabbatical in October. And what a sabbatical is, it's an extended time of rest for um, like a, a ministry leader to go and like seek God's will. Not only for like personal life, but for ministry. And, you know, like it really helps pastors and churches to be able to like help guide and direct ministry into the next season. And uh, so I've been in student ministry for 12 years. And I've never gotten to do anything like this, but I've been at this church long enough now where I'm eligible for one. And so in October, I'm going to be taking six weeks off to go seek God's will um, for this student ministry and for my life and all these kinds of things, right? And I'm really excited about this, but just like everyone else, money is tight. Like money is, is tight for everybody, including myself right now. And I don't really know how we're going to even fully pay for it, to be honest with you. Um, and so I've been kind of worried that we're not going to be able to do this thing because we're not going to be able to like fully pay for it because we're going to go away for a while and it's going to be expensive. And so, um, so anyway, we, we just came back from vacation and while we were gone, um, someone stole the catalytic converter, which is a fancy word for a really expensive piece off of my Prius. And it was a very expensive fix. Thankfully, insurance covered it, but 
um, we had to pay $1,000. And as this is going on, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like how, I'm already stressed about the sabbatical not working because of money, and I was like, man, I don't, this $1,000, I know I'm supposed to go on it and do it, and this is going to be awesome, but this $1,000 now, I'm like, what the heck, like, this, this is, and now I'm even more worried and stressed that things aren't going to come together. I needed that. And someone who's just trying to make a quick buck doesn't realize that they're putting my whole sabbatical like in jeopardy because they were selfish and wanted to steal a piece off my car. Well, someone who I don't know had heard that I was going to take a sabbatical and like two days after, who also didn't know about my car, didn't know about my car, but knew I was going on sabbatical, about two days later said, hey, I feel called to just give you $1,000 toward your sabbatical. And I was like, are you kidding me? They had no idea about the car, but God did. They had no idea about anything of those situations, but God did. And God is so good to see my individual need to see, and that's not even a need. Sabbatical's not a need. That's like a want, right? right? To see my individual like desire of my heart and to say, listen, even for that, I'm going to provide for you. Do you know how many times the week of Hume or Shaver Listen, you all show up on Friday and you're like, hey, we're going to camp. And you post on Instagram, you post on Snapchat. You're like, look, we're in our vans, yay. And, and, and you show up and they're all lined up and you're stoked to go to camp. Do you know how many times, like two days before camp, we get a call from the rental company and they say, hey, uh, surprise, sorry, all your vans are not here. They're canceled. Like we took eight vans to Hume for high school this past year. You know how many, three days before we get a call that was like, sorry, we don't have any vans for you. And then you show up, you don't know anything, you don't know the difference, you don't know that that happened, that just happened, But because everything's here and it's all good to go. But even in those situations and moments, God shows up and he provides another way. And every time you show up, there's vans. I think the past four trips we've taken, they've called us like the day before and been like, sorry, we got no vans. And God always provides. He knows the needs. And it may not be exactly what we wanted. It may not be exactly what we expected or how we expected it. But God knows what he's doing. And what he does is he'll teach us things along the way. He'll, he'll take the vans away, allow them to be taken away, so that we can lean in and depend on him. He'll let the peace get stolen off my car so that I can lean in and depend on him. He'll let things happen in our life so that we can lean in and depend on him for our needs. And this is why the author uh, closes this text and says, verse 31, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers or for the pagans run after all these things. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Verse 33, it says this. Because if you're like, okay, I get it. I don't want to worry, but I'm an anxious person and everything makes me nervous. If someone looks me in the eye, I get nervous, right? I worry about that. I worry about what I said or thought or did or whatever. I worry about the future. I worry about the past. I worry about everything. How do I not worry, Josh? What does it look like to actually not worry and to actually live into these and to do it? It says this, verse 33. You have to figure anything out. These truths are all great, but you don't have to figure anything out. Verse 33. Seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things will be given to you as well. In other words, seek God, and he'll take care of your worries. Seek God, 
and he will take care of your worries. If you're worried about money, seek Jesus. If you're worried about your grades, seek Jesus. If you're worried about your past, seek Jesus. If you're worried about your future, seek Jesus. If you're worried about a relationship, seek Jesus. Will Jesus always do things the way you wanted and work out things the way you wanted? Absolutely not. The, the Bible does not say that Jesus will give you everything you want. He says that he will provide for everything you need. So you might not get the good, you might like seek Jesus and you might not get the money or you might not get the grade or you might not get the girl or you might have issues in your past or you might have issues in your future. But you know what happens when you seek Jesus? It's when you don't get the money, you still have peace. When you don't get the girl, you still have peace. When your past still has scars and consequences from it, you still have peace. When your future is uncertain, you still have peace. You don't always get what you want, but when we seek Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he will give us peace. And friends, that is more valuable than anything. I've lived 33 years on this earth and I've done a lot of stupid things and some things right, but at the end of the day, I'll tell you what, peace is more important than anything else. Having nothing but having peace is 100 times better than having everything and worrying about everything. You are so valuable to God. He knows what you need. And no amount of worry is going to change the past or the future. So can we do something together? I want you to sit right where you're sitting. I'm going to, uh, worship team, come on back. Um, I want you to just make a couple fists with me. And I, I want you in this fist to, to think about something that you worry about. What is something you worry about? And I want you to imagine it, one in your left hand. And I want you to imagine something else in your right hand, things you worry about. And if you worry about one thing a lot, imagine that you're, it's a big old bar and you're holding it like this. We want to control. We want to figure things out. We want things to work out the way we want them to, and so we hang on to them. In a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to worship. And I, I want you to keep holding on these fists, and as we, as we start to worship, I want to give you an opportunity to open your hands and to let it go. And trust that though you don't know the future, God does. That though you don't have stuff figured out, God does. And let it go. In worship, we put our hands up like this. It's not anything hyper-spiritual. It's not anything like crazy, like, oh, look at that super awesome Christian. This is the international sign of surrender. Right? That I give up. I don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't worry about this anymore. I just, I just give up. I'm done, God. Like, I'm, I'm, I've tried it, and I'm trying to hold on to everything, and I'm trying to figure out everything, and I'm worried, and I'm stressed about the future, and I'm anxious about my college decision, and I'm worried about tomorrow, and I'm worried about the past, and, and, and God's like, just let it go. You are so valuable to me. I know what you need. And worrying isn't going to change anything. It's just going to make you miserable. So in, as you're holding on to fists right now, I want to invite you when we start to worship to just let it go. If you feel so inclined, put some hands up and raise and surrender. We're going to sing a song called Nothing I Hold On To. The idea, we don't, we don't hold on to any of this. And when we let go, God fills the gap with peace. Friends, you are so known and so loved that. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this time. Anything that I said 
one last time for this year. Anything that I said that wasn't of you, I pray we forget. My words are flawed and fallen and sinful and stupid. But God, your words are eternal. You wrote history and you have us in the palm of your hand. Knit us together in our mother's womb. You know the amount of hairs on our head, the thoughts that you have about us outnumber the grains of sand on this earth. And God, if you wouldn't even spare your only son for us, for anyone in the throes of anxiety and worry over anything in their life, that they would just trust that you, the Prince of Peace, has it. That we can open our fists and let go so that there is nothing that we hold on to and instead trust it in the hands of a holy and perfect God who sees us and knows us and loves us.